Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim In the name of Allah most gracious most merciful The man in the red underpants by AR Green Chapter 6 Amazing level of information Now some of you might or perhaps should be thinking what exactly is this amazing level of information that I am talking about and this is a vast topic in itself which could in fact fill volumes and then we'd need to add to that all the arguments and counter arguments and that would fill even more volumes there is some recommended reading and websites at the end of this if you are interested in going deeper I'm just going to select a choice few things that I find particularly fascinating and personally convincing. The first is to do with history. Lots of Christians have tried to accuse Muhammad of attempting to copy and use the Bible, and this is a pretty silly for a number of reasons. One of them is because there just wasn't a Bible in Arabic at that time, and even if there was, Muhammad wouldn't have been able to read it. Now there are a lot of the same people mentioned in the Quran that are in the Bible and this is because they are mostly prophets and messengers of God. The Quran being the last revelation from the creator deems their lives to be examples worthy of mention to inspire and motivate believers in times to come. It's not strange that Abraham is mentioned since the Arabs considered him their patriarch via his son Ishmael One of the biblical terms used for the Arabs was Ishmael or Ismail Ishmaelites uh, or Ismailites because of their Ishmaelites because of their descent from him One of the biblical terms used for the Arabs was Ishmaelites because of their descent from him However what might seem strange and a challenge to explain is just how much there is about Moses in the Quran of course the simple explanation for this is that the challenges and tasks that Muhammad faced were so much like unto that of Moses and therefore the experience of Moses was a useful guide and inspiration to the final messenger there are two fascinating little there are two fascinating little but telling details taken from these stories in the Quran Firstly it is interesting how Joseph son of Israel or Jacob also mentioned in the Quran never refers to the ruler of Egypt as pharaoh but rather calls him king whereas Moses is clearly dealing with a pharaoh the bible calls both pharaoh uh, not such a problem one might think except that when we try to locate Joseph in history we find that the dynasty ruling Egypt at the time were in fact the Hykos who were Semites and didn't use the term Pharaoh which was a term used by the native Egyptians for their rulers the ruler of Egypt under Moses was a native Egyptian the ruler of Egypt under Moses was a native Egyptian who had supplanted the Hykos and who began to oppress the tribe of Israel If Muhammad had copied the Bible 
why didn't he copy this historical error and where did he get such accurate information from there were no universities with departments of Egyptology at that time the knowledge of reaching uh, hieroglyphs sorry the knowledge of reading hieroglyphs had been lost the knowledge of reading hieroglyphs had been lost hundreds of years previously and was not known again until the discovery of the uh, Rosetta stone 1000 years later or Rosetta stone 1000 years later this makes the second piece of information even more fascinating the Quran relates the story of how Moses goes to Pharaoh and invites him to believe in well pretty much what you're reading here Pharaoh starts to question Moses about this unseen God above the heavens and now Pharaoh was the one who thought he was God in fact he uh, sorry now Pharaoh was the one who thought he was God in fact he thought that through magic he could command the gods so he arrogantly says to one of his people Pharaoh said O Haman build me a lofty palace that I may attain the ways and means the ways and means of reaching the heavens and that I may mount up to the God of Moses but as far as I am concerned I think Moses is a liar the Quran chapter 40 the forgiver verses 36 and 37 much has been made of the mention of this Haman claiming that Muhammad copied stories from the Bible and got it all mixed up there is a Haman in the Bible in the book of uh, Ishir a book which is considered of questionable authenticity itself which places this character later in time in Persia as a minister in the court of uh, Ahasuerus Aha Ahasuerus court of Ahasuerus however there are no independent historical records that show that such a character ever existed in Persia in fact biblical scholars have identified Haman as the Elamite God human identified Haman as the Elamite God human or possibly the Persian Hamayun meaning Lastius and to the Persian name Oanis and to the Persian name Oanis we do however contrary to the mocking claims of many Christian uh, polymists have Haman located in ancient Egypt that seems to fit the bill perfectly Dr. Maurice Bokai was one of the first people to study the name Haman from an Egyptological viewpoint he surmised that since Haman was mentioned in the Quran during the time of Moses in Egypt the best course of action was to ask an expert in the old Egyptian language i.e. hieroglyphs regarding the name uh, Bokai narrates an interesting discussion he had with a prominent French uh, Egyptologist in the book Reflections on the Quran uh, I have related the result of such a consultation that dates back to a dozen years ago and led me to question a specialist who in addition knew the classical Arabic language well one of the most prominent French uh, Egyptologists fulfilling these conditions was kind enough to answer the question 
I showed him the word Haman that I had copied exactly how it is written in the Quran and told him that it had been extracted from a sentence of a document dating back to the 7th century AD the sentence being uh, related to somebody connected with Egyptian history he said to me that in such a case he would see in this word the transliteration of a hieroglyphic name of a hieroglyphic name but for him Undoubtedly, it could not be possible that a written document of the 7th century had contained a hieroglyphic name unknown until that time, since in that time the hieroglyphs, the hieroglyphs had been totally forgotten. In order to confirm his deduction about the name, he advised me to consult the Dictionary of Personal Names of the New Kingdom by Ranke, where I might find the name written in hieroglyphs as he had written before me, and the transliteration in German. I discovered all that had been presumed by the expert and moreover I was stupefied to read the profession of Haman, the chief of the workers in the stone quarries, exactly what could be deduced from the Quran, though the words of the Pharaoh suggest a master of construction. When I came again to the expert with a photocopy of the page of the dictionary concerning Haman and showed him one of the pages of the Quran where he could read the name, he was speechless. Moreover, Ranke had noted as a reference a book published in 1906 by the Egyptologist, by the Egyptologist Walter uh, Rezensky. Uh, the latter had mentioned uh, that the name of Haman had been engraved on a stela on a stela kept at the Hof Museum of Vienna, Austria. Several years later when I was able to read the profession written uh, in hieroglyphs on the stela, I observed that the de determinant the determinative the determinative joined to the name had emphasized the importance of the intimate relationship to the Pharaoh. Now that's what I call an amazing level of information. Where did Muhammad get such knowledge from if not from God? Where did Muhammad get such knowledge from if not from God? There is more. Just think about the world 1400 years ago and the level of knowledge that existed or perhaps we should say the level of ignorance that was prevalent especially in regards to the natural world. Of course some thinkers and philosophers had made some amazing discoveries even estimating the circumference of the earth but they also got a lot of things very wrong. Legends and myths also abounded. Reading the Quran you find a distinct lack of such legends and myths about the creation of the universe and the natural world. Yes, there are miracles and wonders worked by the Creator to increase the faith of the faithful and confound the obstinate, but otherwise descriptions of the world and universe seem remarkably modern. You would expect the Quran to reflect the myths and legends of the time. Even if Muhammad had managed to pick up the best ideas of the time and leave out these legends, it still does not account, does not account for the remarkable consistency of the Quran with modern science. Here are a couple of verses in the Quran dealing with the universe and its creation. Do not the unbelievers see that the heavens and the earth were joined together as one unit of creation? 
before we clothed them asunder, and we made from water every living thing. Will they not then believe? The Quran, chapter 21, the Prophets, verse 30. Ever heard of the Big Bang? Ever heard of the Big Bang? And how the universe started as a singularity? As a singularity, a super condensed ball of matter and energy? We talked about that in the beginning, remember? It sure seems that the information in the Quran is correct about something that we discovered just about 70 years ago. Then how about this? And it is we who have constructed the heaven with might, and verily it is we who are steadily expanding it. The Quran chapter 51, the winds that scatter, verse 47. When Einstein was conjuring up his theories, the consensus, the consensus among scientists was that the universe was static and had been like that forever. But new observations made it clear that this was not the case and that in fact galaxies were moving away from each other at a constant rate. In other words, the universe is expanding. More than strange is how these things came to be found in a book 1,400 years old. 1,014 hundred years old. Science is a very fickle fellow. Things which scientists all agree upon at one time are turned on their heads and are shown to be contradicted by observations at another time, so perhaps it's not the best thing to judge a book by. Still there are some things that seem to have been observed so often and so much that it becomes some sort of fact. One of these things is the embryonic development of humans the, the idea the idea that we go through stages of fetal development is really quite new lots of theories abounded in antiquity and early modern times that today seem to sound a bit silly for example one of the dominant theories that was prevalent in the 18th century was the preformation theory this was the idea that animals existed preformed in the sperm there were even claims of observations of this through the primitive microscopes available at the time. So much for seeing is believing. So much for seeing is believing. Aristotle thought that menstrual blood congealed with the aid of semen to form a fetus. It was not until the late 19th century that what we know today began to be clearly articulated. Yet over 1,400 years ago, the Quran stated very clearly, Man we did fashion from a quintessence of clay. Then we placed him as a drop of fluid in a place of rest firmly fixed. Then we fashioned the fluid into a leech-like thing that clings. The word alaq is sometimes incorrectly translated as a blood clot. Then we fashion that leech-like thing that clings into a chewed-like lump. Then we fashion the chewed-like lump into bones, and we clothe the bones with the flesh. Then we developed out of it another creature. So, hallowed be Allah, the best of artisans. The Quran, chapter 23, the believers, verses 12, 13, and 14. We fashioned you out of dust then out of a drop of fluid, then out of a leech-like thing that clings, then out of a morsel of flesh partly formed and partly unformed. The Quran, chapter 22, the pilgrimage, verse 5.
Keith Moore, professor and chairman, Department of Anatomy, University of Toronto, Canada, and author of the Developing Human, considered to be one of the world's leading imperialists. Imperiologist said concerning these statements in the Quran and authenticated hadith. Until the 19th century, nothing was known about classifying the stages of a human development. A system of staging human embryos was developed around the end of the 19th century based on alphabetical symbols. During the 20th century, numerals were used to describe 23 stages of embryonic development. This system of numbering the stages is not easy to follow, and a better system would be based on the morphological changes. In recent years, the study of the Quran has revealed another basis for the classification of the stages of the developing embryo, which is based on easily understood actions and changes in shape. It utilizes terms which were sent from God to Muhammad the Prophet by the angel Gabriel and recorded on the Quran. It is clear to me that these statements must have come to Muhammad from God because almost all of this knowledge was not discovered until many centuries later. This proves to me that Muhammad must have been a messenger of God. Marshall Jones or Marshall Johnson, professor and chairman department of anatomy, director of the Daniel Bow Institute, Thomas Jefferson University, Philadelphia, USA, said as a scientist, I can only deal with things I can specifically see. I can understand embryology and developmental biology. I can understand the words that are translated to me from the Quran. If I were to transpose myself into that era, knowing what I do today and describing things, I could not describe the things that were described. I see no evidence to refute the concept that this individual, Muhammad, had to be developing this information from some place. So I see nothing in conflict with the concept that divine intervention was involved on what he was able to say. Another interesting statement that is found in the Quran concerns the mountains. Did we not make the earth smooth and the mountains as pegs? The Quran chapter 78, the great news verses 6 and 7. Today we know that mountains have deep roots under the surface of the ground and that these roots can reach several times their elevations above the surface of the ground. Hmm, amazing. So the most suitable word to describe mountains on the basis of this information is the word peg, since most of a properly set peg is hidden under the surface of the ground. This theory of mountains having deep roots was introduced only in the latter half of the 19th century. Mountains also play an important role in stabilizing the crust of the earth since they hinder the shaking of the earth. Listen to this verse in the Quran. And he has set firm mountains in the earth so that it would not shake with you. The Quran chapter 16, the bees, verse 15. Likewise, the modern theory of plate tectonics holds that mountains work as stabilizers for the earth. This knowledge about the role of mountains as stabilizers for the earth has just begun to be understood in the framework of a plate tectonics since the late 1960s. The Quran mentions many things about the natural world and asks us to think deeply and contemplate 
and that those with understanding will realize that these are all signs that point to the power and wisdom of its creator that all of this is not for nothing or for entertainment but rather for a profound and noble purpose the Quran is not meant to be a book of science but a book of signs it is easy to understand how the creator would know about the common origin of the universe the details of the embryonic development and that mountains have roots but it's not easy to explain how Muhammad managed to include this information in the Quran unless we accept his claim to be a messenger it would seem that accepting this would be the most sensible thing thing for a rational sincere person to do alhamdulillah this is the end of chapter 6